at 4 o'clock, and that's where a lot of the members went to. We're so glad that you've come to be with us and to worship with us. If you are visiting with us, you are our honored guest. We're so glad that you've come. We ask you and invite you to come back at any and every opportunity that you get. If you will, be turning with me in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. If you're familiar with your Bibles, you probably already know that what we're going to go over tonight, taken from Isaiah chapter 6, is the account where Isaiah is allowed a vision of heaven. Now what we're going to read here in just a few minutes is we're going to pick up and, and we're going to see Isaiah standing in the doorway of the temple with God on his throne. Lord of lords and kings of kings right there in front of him. And what I would like for you to do for the next few minutes is imagine yourself there right beside him. Put yourself right beside Isaiah. Isaiah's over here on this side of you. And imagine yourself right there in that doorway being able to see the Lord of lords, the king of kings right there in your midst. Oh, how beautiful it would be. What I want you to do, picture yourself there with him, seeing what he sees, hearing what he hears, and feeling what he feels. As we pick up here in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1, where Isaiah the prophet writes, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple, Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. We see Isaiah, he picks up here and he kind of puts a little comment in verse 4. He said, And the foundations of the threshold trembled at the voice of him who called out, while the temple filling with smoke. You've put yourself in the place right there next to Isaiah. How wonderful it is to be able to witness something like that. To be able to see the Lord in front of your face. To be able to hear the seraphim say these wonderful words. To be able to feel the foundations of the doorway shake around you. How many of y'all have ever pictured heaven in your mind? I have. I think all of us have. Some of us have been picturing it a little bit longer than others and have got even the little minutest details down of what you believe heaven looks like. As you went and put yourself in a place with Isaiah, I'm sure that that image that you have of heaven came into mind. Now, if your heaven and your head is the same as my heaven and my head, then as you pictured yourself here with Isaiah, then you were garbed in the big old white robe and all clean. Well, not tonight. Tonight, I want you to come before the Lord as you are, dressed in the same clothes that you're wearing right now, coming in with the same mental baggage that you brought in the doors of this, of this church building as you walked in and as you're sitting down here. And I want you to come as you are before the Lord of lords and the King of kings to present yourself to him 
I want you to be more real with yourself right now than you ever have been in your life. Coming before Him, who you are, to the one who knows exactly who you are. And what we're going to do right now is we're going to go through and we're going to read Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 5. But as you're doing as you're doing that, I want you to think to yourself, what's going through my mind as I'm standing right here being myself? Is it scary? Are you terrified? Coming before the Lord and everything's laid bare in front of him. Could it be, this might be the happiest day of your life. You're finally getting to see the one who you've been waiting for. I want you to think about this. We're going to read the, the, the prophet Isaiah's thoughts man of God, as he comes before and is sitting right here in the same place, Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 5, as, as the prophet says, woe is me, for I'm ruined, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Now Isaiah, this man of God, he knows that this isn't judgment, but it might as well be to him. He knows he's open and laid bare to the Lord. And he says, woe is me, for I'm unclean. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. He sees himself because of that as unfit to stand before the Lord. You know, those of us who come here tonight, we see Isaiah, a man of unclean lips, buddy, we would be good if that's all that we had to worry about. We look at the world around us and we see the influences of the devil, the influences of the world, and we see all these lusts of all these different kinds coming before us every day. If you can be tempted, buddy, the world's going to bring it to you. And that devil, oh, that beautiful man, he brings the temptations before us and he makes them look oh so good and he makes them taste oh so wonderful until we get so caught up in the sins and the temptations of the world that we don't even realize how deep we are in them until, like Isaiah, comes face to face with Jesus Christ. And it's at this very moment in his life whenever everything else is put back behind him. It's no more what I've done. It's no more who I am, but it's what is in my life. Sin showed itself as he comes before the throne. On the day of judgment, we're all going to come before the throne. And all of our attitudes are going to change. There's going to be a lot of attitudes that are going to be changed whenever we come before. A lot of us are going to think what we could have done, the changes that we could have made, all the time that we had to do this in order to be welcomed into the kingdom, but now all of that chance is gone. All of the what could have been, what should have been, what I could have done, it's all worthless. It's all meaningless. That's what I want to encourage you to do right now, as you can call today. Today is to be able to recognize the presence of the Lord in your life right now and come before Him daily, to come before His throne every day. Now, in the ways that we can come before the throne, we can see in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, that we could come before the Lord. We could come before His throne through prayer. 
Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 says, Therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. King James Version says, Come boldly before his throne, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We have the Lord who is always there on our behalf. If we're struggling, he is there to help us, to give us grace so that we may receive mercy to help us in time of need. He's there in good times. He's there in bad. He's always there for us. We can always come before his throne. We also see if we turn to Psalm chapter 95, verses 1 through 3, another way that we come before his throne and can do so every single day. There's a lot of people believe that the only time that we can sing praise to the Lord is whenever we come in here and meet together as a congregation on Sundays and on Wednesdays. But our praise to the Lord through our voices, the fruit of our lips, is another way that we can come before him all the time. In Psalm 195, beginning with verse 1, David says, Oh, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. My friends, this isn't the only place that we can do that. Every day of our lives, should be a time that we spend in front of the throne, in front of our Lord, laying ourselves wide open for him to see. Not only can we come to him before his throne in prayer and in praise, but also in purpose of study. We come before his throne as we open up his word. It's through his word that he allows us to get to know him, to get to understand him, and to see his will for us. So that later on, whenever that day of judgment will come, as we've learned him, learned his will, and applied it to our lives, he can welcome us in to our new home. How many times in our lives, though, as we go throughout the week, we throw out all of his teachings, we'll walk in the door and we'll pray and we'll sing with the best of them. And all we're doing is playing down the severity of our sin. And what we're trying to do is hide them from one another, but also in, in doing so, we're trying to hide them from God. Now we look at Isaiah, and we see that he didn't attempt to hide his sin. Instead of hiding his sin, what he did is recognize them. And that's what we have to do in our lives also, is recognize that sin is there. Admit the faults and allow the Lord to cleanse us from them. You see, cleansing. Cleansing is a blessing to us, those of us who are children of God. And the blessing for us is continual. Now for those who will come to the Lord, it will be a blessing to them to have the cleansing, to be covered in his blood, to have the continual cleansing. It's not going to be a blessing for so many people that are out there in the world right now. A lot of people out there in the world right now who have never breathed the name of Jesus Christ, unless it was done in some common way, some meaningless fashion, bringing the Lord down upon our level, trying to make him nothing more than a common man and treating him no better. There's going to come a day that every single one of us, no matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, and what you're doing now, you're going to confess the name of Jesus Christ. The Word tells us that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess 
the name of Jesus Christ, to the glory of the Father. And on that day, we all will proclaim it as loudly as we can. And there will be some proclaiming His name, and they will do so in, in, in a way that's just as vain then as it is now. There will be others who will proclaim His name, people who have lived their lives in a good way, being good people. But yet, although they're good people, they'll come to the Lord, they'll proclaim His name, my Lord, my God. I don't know who you are. Because He's never known them. And then even some of us who have known His mercy, who have seen His grace, will come before Him and will be surprised that our faith will be no different from anybody else's that we've talked about before because the sins that we have, we've hidden from one another and also from Him. You know, we, we know what the sins do to us. It separates us from God. So why in the world would we want to hide the sins that are in our lives? Oh, so many of us have become accustomed to it. We've lived in it so long. Well, it's my regular everyday life. Might as well continue in it. There's others that will say, well, I have this sin in my life. You call it a sin, but I say that it does more good to me than it does bad. And then there's even some of us who say, well, you know, I, I've got all this time before I die to make it right with God. And by doing this, what we're doing is we're gambling with our salvation. But we have to know that we can't cheat the dealer. We can see the words of the Holy Spirit through Peter, the apostle, and we can see in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 3, that he's an elder. And he says in his wisdom through the Holy Spirit, for the time already passed is sufficient for you to have carried out the, 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 the desire of the Gentiles. What he's saying, you've had your time. You know better than what you're doing. It's time to make a choice in your life. You could keep on saying that, well, you know what I'm doing. You may think it's bad, but well, it helps me get through the day. Or you can continue on, on, on saying, I have my own time to get right. Or you can come before the throne of the Lord every single day of your life and say, woe is me for I'm ruined. Procrastination will kill every single one of us. Procrastination is the devil's net. You see, it slows us down. It keeps us away from God. The devil brings his net and it sticks us up, sticks up and away. We kind of float in on our own way getting, trying to get to God and that net catches us and we get tangled up in it and the devil pulls it in and we're his and there's no getting out of that net at least not an easy way but that's what we do procrastinate put everything off there's a story of a Greek ruler uh, Archaeus Archaeus he was going to a, a big old party he was going to a feast. And this messenger came to him. Archaeus, Archaeus, I got this message. I have to get to you. It's urgent. Archaeus said, all right, give me the message. He took the message. He put it in his coat and he kept walking. The messenger said, Archaeus, you need to read this message. He said it contains some very important things. Archaeus said, the important things can wait till tomorrow. And he kept walking. Well, the message that it contained was that he was going to be assassinated at a feast. Well, sure enough, at night, he was assassinated. And in his pocket was the very message that could have saved his life. Well, what about us spiritually? What about 
us saying things can wait tomorrow. The important things, the serious things of life can wait till tomorrow. But yet we die holding the very message, this message that we hold right here today that can bring us to salvation. And we die with it in our hands. What I would like to encourage you to do, among other things for tonight, is to give in to the Word of God. To give in to what it says. And don't continue to give in to the worldly influences. Allow them to control your lives. Don't even, give, don't even have small ties with them. Because those small ties of the influences in your life will separate you from God. You see, all Satan wants is a little bitty hold. If he's got that little bitty hold, he can put you wherever he wants you. You know, we're always talking about God and how he's not a beggar. The devil is. And he'll take whatever you'll give him. You know, Ephesians chapter 4 reminds us don't give the devil an opportunity. We have to cut the tie that binds us to him. I know how hard it is to cut those ties. I know how hard it is living with the influences of the world in your life. Not being able to get rid of them. Not being able to cut the ties with the devil because of the enjoyment, the pleasure that it brings into your life. These influences, these temptations that come at us every single day, the more they come, the more comfortable we, we get with them. The more comfortable we get, the more they're more of our friend that they become. I have a hard day at work. Temptation comes into your life. That's okay. I could give in to this pleasure, and I'm not going to be worried about that hard time at work anymore. Your wife gets a promotion. Oh, man, great. Let's go out and celebrate. Temptation comes in. I'm going to give in to this, buddy. We're going to celebrate tonight. No matter what's going on in your life, whether it's bad, whether it's good, whether it's indifferent, you have the devil and his temptations. And what he's doing is he's allowing these things to become your best friend till it gets to the point where it makes it so high to deny the severity of the sin that's in your life because you're saying, well, it does so much good in my life. How can it cause any harm? You know, we look back and we see Isaiah. And we see his struggle with unclean lips. But we see he fit right in with all of his friends. Because they had the same struggle. But now he's standing before the throne of the Lord. And he's hearing these angels sing these wonderful words. And he realizes he can't say those words through this defiled mouth. Through the humility that this man has, he now sees himself as unworthy of being there before the Lord of Lords. Through his humility, we see what happens in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. As it says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, and with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs, he touched my mouth with it. And said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. You see, purification can never come into our lives until there is an admittance of the sin that is there. Forgiveness will never come to us unless we can say, I know it, I'm struggling with this sin, and come to the Lord and have him remove it from us. When that happens in our lives, to those who have never known Christ, to be able to be put in a relationship with Him, to have the past gone, taken care away, taken, taken care of, done away with, the only natural response that should come from us 
is to be of his service. For those of us who live our lives continually with his blessings, with his forgiveness, the blood of Christ, and knowing what it costs for us to have that, the only natural reaction that we should have in our lives is to be of service to him. I know it's so easy for us to say, but look at where I've been. I'm ashamed of where I've been. There's so many, it's so easy for all of us to say, well, you know, because of where I've been, I'm unsure of my future. But I want to remind you that there's, there's not a single person in this, in this auditorium right now, ever has been in this auditorium, ever will be in this auditorium, who's had a perfect day, yet alone lived a perfect life. But yet we all have the pathway that leads to heaven directly in front of us. It is our choice to step on that path, to walk that path, to allow ourselves to be useful to God, allow ourselves to be an influence in other people's lives instead of the one who's being influenced by the devil. It's a choice to make. We can go to Isaiah chapter 6 and look at verse 8 and we can see the choice that was put in there in front of Isaiah. Isaiah says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, here I am. Send me. You know what strikes me about this passage is is the things that Isaiah didn't say. The things that we would come before the Lord. Um, Excuse me, Lord. Hypothetically, if I were to be that guy who would go, where would I be going? When would I be coming back? I got some things to do Monday afternoon. I don't want to miss that appointment. Yet Isaiah wasn't worried about those things because he had been given a new lease on life. The only thing that concerned him was serving the Lord and that's why he said, here I am, Lord, send me. We have to let go of our reins and give them over to God. Allow him to direct our paths. And I tell you, if you will allow him to direct your paths, you will be amazed at the places that you will go and the things that you will do the accomplishments that will come for the glory of God. But you have to be willing to go. Isaiah saw the influence that he could be on others. He saw that even though his past wasn't spotless, that the Lord would use him to his advantage. You see, that's the purpose of the gospel. To take people who aren't perfect, to give them hope of a better life, a better eternal life, to put them to use, to allow people to see, look where I've been through. I can bring you through that. I can help you along to help you have the same hope that I've got. We can go back and we can see Jesus, the teachings that he had, where he would go into all of these different cities, all these different communities, and he would talk to the people and these crowds would gather around to be healed, to have demons cast out. And we can see the effect of, of him healing people and casting out Let's just read it. It says in Mark chapter 3 and verse 10 that he had healed many with the result that all those who had afflictions pressured around him in order to touch him. All these people who were being healed were going out and telling of the wonderful things of Jesus Christ. Now we look back at the first century and, and the physical healings that was going on back there and we can see that the purpose of the physical healings was to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Well, we can look in our lives today and we can see the purpose for spiritual healings right now, right today, is for the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not the same person that we once were. We're not that same person because the Lord has healed us from those things. He has taken them away from us. We don't have the things of our past to look back to anymore, but he's forgotten about them. But have you kept your healing secret? Have you not been going around and letting other people know what the Lord has done for you? Well, if you have, you've ever, ever either denied his purpose or you've denied the one who healed you. Oh, just look around. Look around where you are now. Look around where you go tomorrow in your workplace, at the grocery store, wherever you are. You see people that are, that are struggling spiritually, that are sick spiritually, and some that are even close to death. And it's all because either one, they don't know about the healing power of Jesus Christ and that he is able to restore them spiritually, or they just don't want to come to him for healing. What if... What if there was a man who'd been diagnosed with cancer? Doctor told him he got six months. But there's a cure. I can't give it to you, but there's a cure. So I want you to go out to this certain spot and I want you to see the certain person. He's going to give you the cure. But the guy doesn't go. Now, you and I both would be pretty sure that he was either, one, in denial about his cancer, or two, he looked down at the spots that he had on his body, and he, he just said, you know, those little bitty spots couldn't be enough to put me to death. We treat our sin the same way. We look at the sin that's in our life, and we're either deny in denial about the sin... But we say that little bitty thing that I do, it's not enough to cause me to go to hell. Isaiah said he was ruined because of something that we say is very small. He didn't run from the sin. He didn't deny the sin. He claimed it. And because he claimed it, it was removed for him. And if you know the danger of your sin, but yet you also know the sweetness of the cure, I would think that we should be the first one who would go to the Lord to find the healing, to find the forgiveness, and to say to him after that, Here I am, Lord, let's go. And not ask where, not ask when, not ask when we're coming back. We could go to the next few verses in our text. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. And we can see where the Lord would send Isaiah. He said, go and tell this people, keep on listening but don't perceive. Keep on looking but do not understand. Render the hearts of this people insensitive. Their, eye, their ears dull, their eyes dim. Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and return and be healed. The Lord's telling Isaiah to go to this people. This people are the same ones with the unclean lips. This people are not people who don't know about the Lord, are not people who don't know His promises, His truths. This people are God's chosen people. But notice in this passage, He doesn't call them my people anymore because they've left Him. They've turned their backs on Him. And 
he sends Isaiah to remind them of who he is. Who better to send than one of their own? Looking back on the lesson, how different are we than Isaiah in the scripture that we talked about tonight? We've come before the Lord. We've talked about the different ways that we come before his throne, hopefully on a daily basis. But tonight we've pictured ourselves there with Isaiah before the Lord on his throne in all of his majesty with, with, the, with the, the, the train of his robe covering the whole floor of the temple. The angels surrounded him. We've seen his magnificence, his power, his, his might, and his justice. We've all been given the opportunity knowing that it's not what we've done, but it's who we are. We've all been given the opportunity to come to him, to admit our sin, and to ask him for cleansing. And we've all heard him say those words to us individually. Who will I send? Who will go for us? As you've heard those words, what was your reply? If we would just be willing to go, we would see that people will actually listen. But we live in regret. We live in denial. I'm asking you to break free of those things. To stop living with what could have been and start living with the joy of what's to come. What, what, what good is a change if you can't see it? 1988, early one morning, Albert Nobel, inventor of dynamite, a man who spent his whole life building up wealth by, by manufacturing and sales of weaponry. He woke up, and he went down the same way he usually does, sat at the kitchen table, opened up his paper, started reading through the paper, got to the obituaries, and he noticed something very odd. It was his name. More than his own name in the obituaries, it was his obituary. And it was his brother that died. But they mixed up things a little bit and put the wrong obituary in there. Now, I would say that if any of us were to see our obituary in the paper, we'd be a little bit disturbed. Well, what Mr. Alfred was disturbed about wasn't that the obituary was in the paper. It's about what it said. It said the dynamite king. The great industrialist who has made a huge fortune from explosives has died. And then it went on with all of the regular pleasantries of, a, of an obituary. But he realized at that one moment that as far as the public's concerned, that's how he was known. Everybody knew him as the one who invented these horrible things, and, and that was his purpose in life. Nothing was said about his intentions. And his intentions of life, what he wanted to bring across, was, was to break the barrier between men and their ideas. And to see that you actually can put your ideas to good use. But all they saw whenever they read the obituary was that he was nothing more than a merchant of death. He knew that that had to be changed. People's perception had to be changed from seeing him as, seeing him as a bringer of death to one who actually could do something with his life. So he spent the rest of his fortune and the rest of his life 
trying to turn people's uh, impression of him around. And that's exactly what he did. As a result of that, the most valued prize that is given today for those who have done most for world peace, they're given the Nobel Peace Prize. And that's where it came from. I can't help but think, what would my obituary say? What's your life known for? What are you going to be remembered for? What have you done with what you have been given? Are you okay with that? Is that all right with you? Tonight we come here. We've laid ourselves bare before the Lord. We have the opportunity to come in contact with the saving grace and the wonderful mercy of Jesus Christ. God didn't put it where we couldn't find it. He didn't mock us. He wants us to be able to find Him. He wants us to be able to come to Him. And He's told us as He, as he tells those who, who have never known Him, who have never been in a relationship with Him, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 37, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And if you come with a broken heart, trusting in Christ, he won't reject you. He wouldn't have sent us the gospel if his intent was to give it to us and then pull us back. You see, Jesus came to save sinners. That was his purpose. We can look back on his ministry and we can see whenever all these crowds gathered around him that he didn't push them all away. He didn't say, go away, I don't want to have anything to do with you. He never complained. He healed them. He brought them in. And the great physician is still able and willing to heal those who will only come to him, who will allow him to work in our lives. And I want you to please listen to this invitation. Don't stand back because of shame or fear. Come to him. He wants you to. He's asked you to. He's begged you to. And he's given you every opportunity to make things right with him. If you've never been in a relationship with the Lord, now's the time to come and begin that relationship. If you have, but you still look at yourself and say, I am unworthy of coming before the Lord. If you're a sinner, come and be forgiven. If you're hurting, come find comfort. If you're tired, come find rest. He can provide it all, but you have to come. Don't wait any longer. Please come. Make that choice as we stand and as we sing.
page 342, we'll sing the first and fourth stanzas. And those that have not had the opportunity to partake of the Lord's Supper may be dismissed while we're singing this song. We shall be